0: Episode number five here of the Radio MVP Sports Broadcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Conten, along with Anthony Kepley. A NFL recap of the draft that happened this past weekend. A lot of exciting news uh, for YSU fans. As we're drafted, plus we're going to get into, of course, the Cleveland Browns and what's going on with their draft. As they drafted 10 players. Do a little Steelers recap. And, and of course... Got to keep Anthony happy. Got to talk a little Denver Broncos as right. we uh, get involved here. But it should be a lot of fun today. This will be a maybe a smaller little podcast than normal. More probably just do a little recap on the Indians for the weekend going into next week. But uh, primarily, it's just just going to be a football pot as uh, we're recording. It's about 10 on a uh, Sunday night. So let's have some fun here, Anthony, and uh, let's talk about. The first time in 19 years a Youngstown State Penguin has been drafted, and it wasn't just one, it was two, as Derek Rivers uh, drafted, and not by surprise here, by New England, 83rd overall in the third round, and then Avery Moss uh, going 167 overall in the fifth round to the New York Giants. So uh, chances are those two players will uh, see each other a lot. In the or I should say in the Northeast. Yeah. Uh, obviously, different leagues or different conferences, but uh, you're going to hear a lot about, I think, both of them in the uh, coming uh, years for both uh, the Patriots and the Giants.
1: Well, to start off on Derek Rivers, you know, he's probably our best defensive player since Tim Johnson, who had a good career uh, with the Raiders, and I believe maybe Pittsburgh or just Oakland. I know he played a lot with Oakland, and uh, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's apropos, but it's kind of apropos that the best defender on YSU's team, and one of the sleeper picks at defensive end, went to the best team in the NFL uh, with the best coaching staff, obviously very proud of uh, Derek Rivers and Avery Moss. uh, Watching those two guys very closely, uh, especially this year, form one of the best and Rush Tandems in FCS football in recent memory. Uh, you know, we fell a little bit short this year. Uh, those two guys were obviously a big reason why YSU why had the, the run they did. I I really believe in the next two or three years, and I was telling my Patriot friends this, enjoy this kid. Not only is Derek Rivers a good football player, he's a great football player, but he may be an even better person off the field and what he does for the local youth and local charities. Um, the same thing, Avery Moss, um, just a really good football player, but even better people off the field. Um, and just a credit to Coach Bo Pelini and the culture that he instilled, because I think uh, Coach Pelini had a lot to do uh, with those guys getting drafted, and drafted early. Um, and I know. agree with you there.
0: You know, I happened to get to see Bill Belichick's uh, press conference after he announced – his two picks in the uh, in the second day of the draft, as uh, New England kept trading out of the draft as the uh, went on, but it was quite a quite comical, you know, in typical Bill Belichick style. He went, "Well, we selected up two players today, and you know, I think they're going to help us." And, uh, and then he goes on, you know, he talked about his fifth or his uh, his fourth round pick first, and then he goes, and then uh, of course in the third round we took uh, Derek Rivers. I'm paraphrasing here, of course, mm-hmm. because uh, from Youngstown State, a defensive end, and edge rusher, uh, comes from a really good program with Bo Pelini. We've had Bo Pelini's players in the past. We know what we're getting here. And he really just gave a really nice compliment to YSU's football program and Bo Pelini running it. And one of the reasons why he selected him. To be uh, a New England Patriot, I you know, and again, you know, Belichick, he's very, very he doesn't say many words, and I mean, it was probably two minutes the entire press conference about these two players that were selected on a Saturday or Friday night. But in the end, you're gonna be really. I was really impressed just because you know, a I'm not surprised New England took them because a they do their homework better than anybody Uh else, and b you know. Again, kind of like we mentioned before, he loved the game and handled themselves properly, and that's what you were talking about earlier. And I believe uh, Rivers is that type of guy. You know, all process long or off season long, draft season long, whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it. And I've been paying attention to uh, Mel Kiper and uh, to ESPN and to the NFL with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and stuff like that. And they have been very complimentary of uh, Derek Rivers the entire time, and especially uh, Mel Kuyper. He kept really talking him up the last uh, two, three weeks of the uh, process leading up to the draft. And he said he wouldn't have been surprised if he went in the second round. The way they were talking, he really believed it was a possibility. And in the third round, 83rd overall, is exactly type of grade he got from him And uh, just really, really happy to see him go to uh, New England and have this opportunity to play for a team that's established and uh, really going to give them an opportunity to uh, improve their defense. And, you know, you look at the Giants, again, a story program, way back up in a sense they're rebuilding their defense. And uh, Avery Moss, another defensive end type guy, you know, an edge rusher, 167 overall fifth round. I didn't get a lot of information about what they said about him, but I was really uh, happy to see him drafted and get this opportunity. You know, if you're in the top five rounds of the NFL draft, there's a reason for it. You're in a top 160, 170 players. You're going to be a guy that has a great opportunity to make that team and a great opportunity to uh, see playing time as the season progressed. Maybe not right away, it all depends on the depth. But I really think uh, it's going to be an opportunity for him and uh, for both of them to really make their impact. And uh, it's been a long time since she had two players drafted. I'm not sure exactly if it's ever happened before with two players in one draft. I know the uh, best drafted players since Ron Jaworski went second. Yep. Yep. Second round to the Los Angeles Rams uh, way back in the day in the 70s. So it shows you everything you know I think Harry DJ G- Dionis was the last player Yeah to Harry
1: Dionis I uh, went to Jacksonville
0: and that and was think, 19
1: years ago. It's hard to believe it's been Tom that Conlon. long.
0: Yeah, it's hard to be believe it's been that long. But uh I remember when that happened and it, it was a uh it's a really great thing to see for the program for these players and uh it's just great for everybody involved in the NFL to uh had the opportunity to bring these two players in. And there's a couple more who've gotten free age, and I know you have that information, and we'll talk about them too.
1: Yeah, uh, Carolina signed offensive lineman Dylan Colucci. Uh, Colucci was a very good offensive lineman for us. Uh, A Wolf recruit, uh, really developed and blossomed under Coach Priscilla, who is a well-respected coach not only in our conference uh, but the the rest of 1AA football, as I still refer to it as. Uh, and then cornerback David Rivers went to Green Bay. Um, Rivers, again, a solid player. Really oh, blossomed yeah. in the past couple years under Polini and Coach McNutt. Um, hopefully those guys uh, get a fair shake. I know Carolina's offensive line, from personal experience, Um Needed some upgrading after Von Miller wrecked them, um, so hopefully uh, hey, Dylan can help if him out down there.
0: You're going to have an opportunity to block for one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL today, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's exciting for anybody.
1: Yeah, and I think and, Carolina also got it's Christian never McCaffrey,
0: for a, uh, offensive lineman, to crack the NFL as a free agent. But it can't happen, and it does happen. You know, they've lost a few players in the last few years to either retirement and injuries and to free agency. So there's an opportunity for him to uh, make, make a uh, training camp and see what happens and maybe uh, make this ball club down in Carolina and see if he can be another member of this uh, YSU class that can play in the NFL.
1: Yeah, just a quick point. Uh, back to Derek and Avery, as well as uh, Rivers and Colucci. Uh, we spoke about it on the tail end of our fourth episode last week, the momentum Northeast Ohio has as far as sports goes, um, and more specifically, YSU. And our main hub is football here. And you, when you come off an national championship appearance in a good recruiting class, you want to keep the train rolling. And now Coach Pelini can go into recruits' homes, whether it be the junior college route, uh, the FBS transfer route, the high school route around town nationally, going to recruits home and said, I put those two guys in the NFL. Now, don't get me wrong, Eric Wolford, there's a lot of credit for getting Derek Rivers here and really blossoming Rivers. Uh, but Rivers, without a doubt, has become a better all around football player under Polini's tutelage and Carl Polini. And I think that's really big. Not only for YSU and the NFL, as you were talking about, uh, but it's big for YSU football recruiting in general. Um, and I and no I do believe uh, Colucci uh, does have a nice shot to make Carolina. I, like I said, Carolina's offensive line isn't great. They were probably banged up last year, and you never know. Exactly. He could go no, out no, and no, impress totally Rivera. It's a great opportunity.
0: And, you know, this is what you need. You need to go – that has a need wants you for depth where you have an opportunity as a free agent to really show what you can do and uh, you know it's it's an uphill battle for free agents let's be honest they're the lowest to- person on the totem pole you know in camp they're gonna have to work the hardest to find their way through they're gonna have to do the most to you know catch the eyes of the the coaches and to make a, uh, a statement that they're going to be there. They belong in the NFL. It happens all the time. Uh-huh. And some of them turn out to be all pro players. Some of them uh, stay around for a year or two. You never know. I mean, it all depends on the player, the opportunity and his health, you know, in the NFL, because you know, you pay a toll to play in the NFL long term. Uh, I don't care if it's one year, two years or five years or longer. NFL players is around forty seasons, so it tells you everything you need to know about what type of uh they put their, through their bodies to uh, to play in that league, and you know, and right now so let's see what happens. You know, I think there's a couple more players that everyone wants to see have an opportunity on this YSU uh, graduating class, you know, from the from that championship uh, appearance team and. Let's hope uh, Webb gets a chance. Let's see what else happens, and I think you know we'll see a few more signings here in the next uh, day or two.
1: Uh, Personally, for me, I would love to see Jody Webb get a shot. I think he will get a shot. I'm almost 100% positive somebody will give him a shot, and I don't think they'll be disappointed. I put it out on my Facebook page uh, either yesterday or the day before. Whatever team gets Jody Webb will be very happy. Trying to remove all my bias out of it, you're getting not only a very good running back who runs low to the ground powerfully. He's quick. He finds the holes, but he can catch out of the backfield. He can block pretty well and he can return punts. The NFL is about speed and versatility. And all you got to do is have speed. And that's something you can't coach. No. I mean, there's
0: certain physical aspects that are important and, You know, Jody Webb's size may deter some teams from from looking at him. We'll have to wait and see. I honestly think, you know, as a special team player who can return kicks and punts, uh, as a player who can catch the ball out of the backfield, he can find a opportunity. Again, here's a scenario here where he has to find the best opportunity for him to make a team, and uh, he might be a, a person who finds his way onto a. And then into the NFL, we never know how, what type of path they'll take, and what will happen. But you know, I honestly do believe he'll get a chance. I'll be shocked by the end of the day, come you know July, that he's not on a roster somewhere, having an opportunity to showcase his talent and to uh, to make a uh, an NFL club wherever that be. If it's uh, you know, there's thirty two teams, anything's possible. So we'll just have to wait and see what what team signs him and where he goes and what depth they have and what opportunities he can create for himself in, in, the, uh, in the practices and then hopefully in the exhibition game because that's where you know, most of the grading gets done. So we'll just have to wait and see on him. But I do believe I, with you that he will get his opportunity and it's just a matter of, of time and a place and we'll go from there. Let's turn the page now to the NFL in general. Obviously, the big story of the NFL was the Cleveland Browns. They ended up taking 10 players in the draft. and as, as I suspected and you agreed with, there's no way that they were going to not pass up the best player on the board. And, uh, you know, they mentioned it two weeks ago that they had their minds made up who that would be. And everyone was wondering if that was true or not. And it was Miles Garrett. It was what they needed to be. He was the you Knesset know, shot. Everyone believed he was the number one player on the board. Uh, He was first draft, you know, 32 career sacks at Texas A&M. Fumbles uh, this past year at 12 and a half sacks, 19 sacks or not tackles for losses five forced fumbles. I think he recovered two of them. So it's 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 an amazing uh, stat. I think he's going to be terrific. But it was more important here is uh, I'm going to kind of skip around here is what they did in the third round. I was really impressed. They picked up a Larry Ogunj- John- Joby, excuse me. I had it in my mind. <laughs> oh. Nobi, I think. Yeah, Ogunjobi. Yeah, I had it and I lost it. I looked at his name and I said, now nah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, but anyways, another, uh, another guy who is an edge rusher, you know, for that defense. You know, we talked about that front seven, how important it is in football. And I really do believe he's going to be a type of player who uh, the Browns are going to be very happy with in the long run. And uh, I think, in, in a sense, getting those two on the defensive ends type players or guys who can move around on the defensive line, you know, with the players that they have is a huge improvement. And I'm very excited about that. Going back into the first round, of course, they took uh, Jarrell Peppers uh, from Michigan. After trading down from the 12th pick, not a surprise. I mean, that is kind of what the Browns do. Analytics tell you, if you don't see the player you want, you want to you want to uh, trade out of that spot and trade down and pick up extra spots. And you know what? You know, they picked up another first-round pick. They got another one for next year. So it'll be the third, third year in a row the Browns will have two NFL first-round picks. They ended up with three this year, trading back into the first round taking a player i was very excited about i was watching the draft no i'm serious i was very ex- watching the draft and you know i thought early they may take if they stayed at 12 take howard uh you know that maybe the number one tight end on the board as the as the draft went on i kept thinking well you know as it as they moved up and they moved up early uh-huh. you know there was about two or three picks before they made the pick they jumped in front of the steelers and when they took Nejoko and I said oh my god this is I said, this is a great opportunity for them to take Njoko and, and that's exactly what they did so I was excited about that you know here's a guy who is a, a pass rush uh, runner route runner in out of the tight end position this year he has great speed I think he's going to be a guy who um, can really help the Browns in the red zone next year as a, as a, as a big target and It'll be interesting to see how they use them, and you know, if they, all the comparisons in the NFL, it, it's, it's exciting to see them get a uh, a tight end that they can split out wide, and in that slot receiver type scenario that is huge in the NFL today, and I really was excited about that, and you know, with Peppers, Peppers is that hybrid player that everyone dreams about. He can play everywhere. You know, I think he's going to play safety for the Browns, but I think they're going to line him up as a uh, linebacker in times. They're going to put him out in the slot position to recover to uh, to cover some re-slot, and it wouldn't shock me, you know, if we see him in certain situations as a wide receiver. I mean, it won't shock me at all. Obviously, he has great ability to run the uh, kicks back, both punts and uh kickoff. So, you know, in Browns first round. I, I mean, I don't know how you cannot. Be excited if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. I know they're 1-15 coming into this season. That's why they were drafting where they were. <laughs> but, you know, you don't, you don't build without players. And you have to build through the draft in the NFL. You don't build through free agency. You don't build through trades. You build through the draft. And I really think they actually came through maybe with the best drafts I've seen. In a very long time for the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah. I really think the Browns did a very solid job overall. Uh, Obviously, Miles Garrett was a home run pick. I think he'll be a stud in Cleveland. He's just that good. Uh, Peppers could be pretty good. Like you said, he's a hybrid kind of guy. He can play linebacker. He's very similar to TJ Ward. When Ward came out of Oregon, he can play down in the box. He can stop the run. Uh, but he can play a little bit of safety, maybe a little bit of corner, like you said, in the slot. I think the, the knock on Peppers is he didn't really have an interception that he read on his own as more tip balls. But then again, he's always around the football. And in the NFL, if you're always around the football, good things are going to happen sooner or later to you. I like the versatility they drafted with him. I do think he can help them a lot in the punt return game because when you're a struggling team, Trying to find every advantage you can, special teams plays a huge role in any game. And when you're trying to rebuild, uh, like I said, you need every advantage you can get. And if the Browns can win special teams, that puts their offense in better field position. It keeps their defense off the field and off. Yeah, I do no, like I thought it was I the- do like the draft pick of Njoku. Uh, from miami i really thought that was a nice pickup what i'm curious on though is the re is them releasing Barnage. i'm kind of surprised by that
0: i was too i'm not like overly concerned about that i mean i loved what he brought to the team and you know he was one of those guys that you, you like you know you root for he's a veteran who got his first opportunity to play you know he made the most of at it made the uh, Pro Bowl and everything else and scored touchdowns. And, you know, I think it's a combination of a scenario where with all the players that they're drafting to 10, they wanted to save a few dollars on the uh, salary cap, and they just wanted to make room for Ngochi and then bring him in and let him play and, you know, not have a competition there where somebody who could uh, retard his uh, – his progress. And, you know, sometimes you do that. You make room for a player for they, to play for them to play. And in the NFL, that's not uncommon. And they save a few dollars on the, uh, on the uh, salary cap in the process. So not a total surprise. You know, as a fan of the player and a fan of the team, you love to see him. certain players stay because of what they, what they have done and how they have handled themselves. But, You know, Barnage is going to be a pro. He's going to go somewhere else. He's going to have a great opportunity. And, you know, I'm not worried about it. Gary Barnage has uh, proven himself. You know, he was a journeyman before he came to Cleveland. And, you know, everyone thought it was kind of silly that the Browns were giving him this opportunity. He made the most of it on a very bad team two years in a row, three years in a row. And, you know, that's the bottom line. You have to take advantage of your opportunities in the NFL, we're talking about the free agents from YSU taking advantage of their opportunity. You now, Gary Barnage is a perfect example of someone taking advantage of an opportunity and, and seizing it. And I really, truly believe he'll be fine in the long run. And again, this is a scenario where I think they just didn't want competing on Njoko's uh, opportunity to play. And by removing that obstacle ahead of time, you don't have that problem.
1: Yeah, I think what, I think that's where it comes down to. I think what the Browns want to do is they want to begin the youth movement. They want to win or lose with the young guys. They drafted the young guys. They picked up via free agency, uh, the waiver wire, and they want to see what they have. So they know going forward, Well, we need to address this position in free agency, or we need to get this guy in the draft. Um, from watching Gary Burnage from afar, I don't watch the Browns a ton on Sundays. Be, one, because I'm not a fan, and two, because it's tough to watch the Browns. Uh, but I would love to see Gary Burnage catching touchdown passes at mile high from Trevor Simeon. It may and, happen. You never know. And winning meaningful football games in December, something he's not used to. Well,
0: um, you know, every year is a new new challenge in the NFL. We'll see what happens. Obviously, you know, We'll get to Denver here in a minute, but let's talk, you know, looking at the Browns, but they did address the quarterback position. Everyone was wondering if they would, how they would do it. And they took Deshaun Kaiser out of Notre Dame, uh, who's uh, from Toledo, Ohio. Opinion coming in to the draft, and this was a few months ago when I first ta- started talking about the draft and the players, Everything I've read, everything I've seen, i watched him play. Physically, he's the most talented quarterback of the group. He can make the throws. He has the arm strength. Now, his ability to read a defense, his ability to deliver the ball on an in-and-out basis is not of the other players that went in front of him. That's why he ended up a second-round draft pick. Let's be honest. He also got benched, you know, last year, too, you know, for the uh, – For the Irish, and he went 4-8, and you know, and you just can't do that and expect to be a high draft pick in the NFL. Very seldom do you ever see that. But on a physical talent level, this is the type of player that Jackson likes, and and this is what Hugh Jackson wants, and he believes, you know, that he is a quarterback guru who can correct, you know, mistakes and make players – Better in the long run. So we'll say, wait to see. But I had radar early, and then I kind of let him go, you know, and say, well, I think he's a third or fourth round draft pick. And because the quarterbacks get premiums and you have the extra picks that you have, I thought the Browns made a, a great opportunity. It says, you know, let's get him now. Why wait? He may not be there. At the player that they, they you know they were targeting from the, I think, from the beginning. And they got them in the 52nd overall pick. So you can't complain, you know, when you look at what they've done. And, you know, the first five picks of this uh, draft, you know, with Garrett, Peppers, New Joko, Kaiser, and New <laughs> I'm not going to get that right. <laughs> I'm going to blow it again. But, um, yeah. uh, anyways, uh, but any, I was really happy with that. And then. You look what they did, you know, in the fourth round, they picked up Howard Wilson, a cornerback. They got more defense. They went offensive line in round five with uh, Roderick Johnson and then uh, Roderick Johnson. And then, you know, you look at uh, Caleb Brantley. Now there's the story of the draft for the Browns. I hate saying it. You know, there's always seems to be one pick where you have to wonder what in the world were they thinking. I think it comes down to a combination of different things. Uh, Talent and combination of you have X amount of picks. So if you don't necessarily hit a home run or even a single with the guy, it's not the end of the world because you had so many picks in the draft. You had 10 of them. Uh, You know, take a gamble on a player that may never see the field. It is, you know, in the sixth round. You know, 6 around players do make the uh, NFL and, and, and play well for teams. Because of the background, because of the rest earlier for, you know, misdemeanor battery and involving uh, in domestic-type scenario, a good situation. And we'll just have – I am a wait-and-see type person on this, but I'm not thrilled. I understand why they may have taken that gamble because of the extra picks they had, but, uh, you know, obviously he has talent. I mean, he played in Florida, at the University of Florida. He's a uh, a player from the SEC. He'd be the third defensive lineman they took this year in the draft. Personal level, I'm not real thrilled with it because of his background.
1: Wait, you mean like, Guy from the SEC having character problems—that never happens.
0: Yeah, or well, guy from Florida have a character—never
1: happens. Never. <laughs> never. Uh, going back to the Kaiser pick with the Browns, uh, watching this on Kaiser up close, being in their fan uh, like I have, um, I do think Kaiser has all the tools. Uh, he's physically, he has the prototype NFL body. He can make all the throws. Um, is he smart? Yes, yeah. so obviously he's smart. But if he went to Notre Dame, uh, and we'll get, a, he'll probably end up getting a degree later on down the line. But there are leadership issues. Uh, he tends to—I don't want to say pout—but you can see sometimes where he starts to force things and kind of let his mechanics get a little sloppy when things don't go his way. Now, in regards to last season, that was just, if you ask any Irish fan, um, myself alike, it was just a disaster. It was terrible from the first series of the Texas game on. It was deplorable. It was not what we're used to. It was not acceptable. Um, but I don't know. Oh, if I put a lot of that on Kaiser, yes, Kaiser did struggle at times. There are some throws that make you scratch your head so times like the Virginia game when he comes in for Andrew Malik Zaire two years ago and he wins the game in a torrential Uh Last year, I would put a lot of it on Brian Kelly. I don't think Kelly developed him leadership wise. he didn't. He's, he screwed that whole quarterback derby up in the spring yeah, and well, the summer. He should have. There's no doubt. As soon as Kelly – and I, I want to touch on this because this is something uh, that means a lot to me being in their a Um fan. Kelly, from the minute we fired Charlie Weiss, I, that was the only guy I wanted. Uh, do I think Kelly uh, – honestly, he butchered that last year. Uh, once Zaire went down and Kaiser led them to the Fiesta Bowl, Kelly should have been, I'm sorry Malik, Zaire, we'll work you in maybe, or we'll give you an outright release, but Deshaun's our guy. Uh, You saw the guys rally around him in 2015. He led the Irish to a lot of good wins, and uh, where the first half or first two, he looked terrible. But after that, He looked like a kid that came of age. And I told my cousin as I sat on the couch and watched that game, I said, Deshaun Kaiser just came of age. And they lost that game. Last year, Kaiser went out, and as soon as he stepped onto the field, he knew he had to score four or five touchdowns that day. That's how bad that defense was. Now, that defense wasn't bad just last year. It was historically bad. It was deplorable. There was not enough adjectives to describe how bad it is. And I get fired up every time I have to talk about it because it was sickening to watch for 12 games. Um,
0: Yeah, Notre Dame had its problems. There's no doubt. You know, go back to the old saying that um, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks, and that was Notre Dame this past season. And
1: I think we saw with Ohio State a couple years ago too that if you, you you know, um, but when he did finally make the move to bench, uh, Zaire and let Kaiser be the guy. Kaiser had a lot of good performances last year. Let's not you know, let's not forget um y- you know he didn't have an well, offensive I- line that performed the running game wasn't there and truthfully uh if you want what my mom said about Brian Kelly's play calling, it was disgusting. Right. Um, you know, do I think Kaiser uh not not every quarterback's there yet. Deshaun Watson's probably the most polished one. He's probably the one ready to step in the most. But Kaiser has the tools. It's going to take a guy like Hugh Jackson, like you said, to mold him, to develop him, to make him into that NFL guy. Everybody knew Deshaun Kaiser was not ready this year to be a starting quarterback to help you win games. But down the line... Brooks said that he could see him being the best quarterback of this draft. I disagree with that. Uh, But I do think Deshaun Kaiser could be a very good one. Um, I do think it's very good for him to go back home, so to speak. And like I said before on previous episodes, if you have veteran leadership around you, it's all about the people that you surround yourself with. And I believe Joe Thomas can be a huge help to him. Um, I think Zettler and uh, the other guys the Browns brought in, the veteran guys, I think Hugh Jackson could be a very good help to him. Um, and yeah, I think it's a way to see game, to like you said.
0: I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. He's he yeah. a quote-unquote red shirt year in the NFL.
1: Well, yeah, and then we got Notre Dame. Unfortunately, the
0: Browns have not had a a rookie quarterback go through that "quote unquote" redshirt year where he just runs the scout team, he learns from uh, within, plays in blowouts, stuff like that. Does not get enough. You know, doesn't have to start because of an injury. Unfortunately, the Browns hasn't had that in many years. They need that. This with Kaiser, Kaiser's not ready. I totally agree with you. However. I think it's a, it's an opportunity for him to become a starter in this league, and an op- he's going to have an opportunity to become a starter in this league in the long term. I, you know, Cody Kessler's ahead of him, and that's not not a big concern long term. You know, Osweiler as the moment, you know, so be it. We'll see what happens. You know, if it if he stays on the team or not. But the bottom line is, he's going to have an opportunity to work his way up, and Hopefully this year will be a learning experience for him and if he does see the field it's because a a blowout game and they just want to give him some experience and not because of a necessity because of injuries in front of him where they need to start a young raw rookie who's not really ready for the NFL who can uh, really be uh, put in jeopardy for his career and Well, we'll wait and see what happens. But, yeah, I think Kaiser in the long term is a great pick for the Browns, an opportunity to do it. I really loved his arm, his strengths. He can make the plays. He's shown the ability. What he needs to do is refine it, work with Hugh Jackson, work with the coaching staff, and continue to improve and have that opportunity as they move forward. With the round seven pick, the Browns ended up with Zane Gonzalez, the kicker from Arizona State, the guy with the big leg. Who can kick a 59-yard field goal, so that works out. And the Browns needed help on the special teams. It was a great move, actually, late in the draft to take some player like that because, you know, like I've said many times about a kicker, you can complain about them all you want. They have one job in life, and that is to score points. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is when you have a kicker, I don't care what team you are, that you believe every time you put out there the, the odds are very good you know 75 80 90% chance that he's going to score points for you that's important and the way the NFL now is with PATs you know from 33 yards out and you know when you need to be able to kick that 52 55 yard field goal you need a guy with the leg and the accuracy to do it in the NFL you can't have a back in the ball you get a accuracy kicker who is good from you know 45 in and challenge from 45 out those days are gone in the nfl you need a guy who's basically 50 yards and in and someone who is going to hit close to 80 85 percent of his field goal attempts and is going to make 90 percent of his pats now since they moved it back and the challenge that that brings to the nfl it's huge and uh you know, the Browns have had their problems with the kickers in the last few years. So this is an opportunity for for them to solidify this position for the next 10 years, and that's, that's important, you know, for any NFL team.
1: Yeah, I thought that pick was a very good pick by the Browns. Uh, that kid can boom the football, and it's going to be very important playing in November, December, January games in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. I don't know what their schedule is or where they go. Uh, But most of our games are going to be in cold weather, and it's going to be windy.
0: I can say, it's the NFL AFC North, so you know exactly who you're playing. Like you mentioned, you're going to be playing Cincinnati. You're going to be playing Pittsburgh. You're going to be playing Baltimore.
1: And a lot of states are the wind squirrels.
0: Yeah. You know, and, you know, you're not going to be playing indoors. You're not going to be going to, you know, Indianapolis every year. You're not going to, uh, you know, to Minnesota and other indoor places where they kick, you know, eight, eight games a year indoors, maybe 10 games because of the schedule. You know, those, t- those days are not part of the AFC North. You know, you're going to play outside probably, you know, 14 out of the 16 games. And that's just the way it works. You know, in the AFC, especially in the AFC North, it does not have the, the indoor facilities that you see from others. But, you know, I do like what they do what they did in this draft i thought they they approached it with a great sense of urgency and a great sense of what they wanted to achieve and i think you're going to see more teams pay attention to what the browns do in the next two three seasons in the draft because of this analytics look you know the paul de type of analytics looking at players and how they perform and what type of players you're looking to add. Because if the Browns continue most likely they will for at least another couple seasons and they do have some success, you're going to see more teams looking at that part of the game that you haven't seen. It's going to be interesting to see if this baseball style of drafting works in the NFL. I think in the long run, it's going to have its, its importance, and if you mix together with the the coaching staff's, you know, belief in a player versus uh, what they see on in certain situations and what the uh, numbers say, I think a combination of that is going to be a, a really a telling truth of the future. I think it was a bold move by the Browns to do this last year. It was a uh, gutsy call. The worst franchise in football you have to take chances. And no, I mean and I'm just it's just they what are. it is. That you have to take chances. You're not going to get better by doing the same thing over and over again, you know. So make some changes and see what happens. And I think that's exactly what the Browns have chose to do. And you know, this brain trust is not NFL brain trust. We'll see if it works. You know, when Jerry Jones bought the Dallas Cowboys and Jimmy Jones came in with his ideas and his thought process. Everyone's saying, well, he's doing it like a college coach, not like an NFL coach. And he ended up building a uh, Super Bowl contender, even a dynasty there. So Mm -hmm. anything's possible. We've seen it before. When you least expect it, it turns out right. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying the opportunity for success is always in front of every team. As long as they take the opportunity in front of them, they can do it.
1: It's like I told my dad, it can't get any worse for them. The Browns cannot get any worse. 0-16 or 1-15, they're still very bad. So uh, I do think they'll be better this year. I think the over-under win total for them by Vegas is at 4 as of now. Um, and I, without looking at their schedule and knowing it off the top of my head, um, I would wouldn't be surprised if the over happened maybe five or six wins that that'd be a big jump. I would probably say break even at four.
0: You know, I never look at schedules anymore because the NFL schedule is just that you're playing NFL mm-hmm. teams. It doesn't change. It's not like college where, you know, you may, you schedule so far in advance. You just don't know if that team's going to be great or mm-hmm. bad when you, when you play them because you schedule a game, you know, today let's say you're playing you know you're ohio state and you're scheduling university of miami you know from florida and you're scheduling in 2029 you have no idea how good they're going to be that's a good point opportunities there to schedule them you're doing it and but in the Mm -hmm. nfl you're playing an nfl team every week so it doesn't matter what schedule you have you know you're going to play your division twice home and away and you know you're going to play within your conference and you're going to play one division from the opposite uh conference so it doesn't really matter, it doesn't how it's how it's formed. You're playing NFL teams, and you have to win. You know that's what you're graded by in the NFL is wins. And in the end, I don't care if you're the Browns or the Broncos or the Steelers or the Bengals or whoever NFL team you're talking about. There's no weak schedule or, or strong schedule. It's the NFL schedule. No, and now, uh... in a sense that you could say some divisions are weaker, sure, mm-hmm. but in the end. you you still have to you the the cream flows to the top and there's no way to stop the best teams still become the best teams and the worst teams still become the worst teams in the NFL
1: yeah and you know I know I remember a couple years ago Denver's opening game they struggled to beat Baltimore who went eight and eight that year I believe they barely beat Jacksonville last year I mean the Jaguars were terrible so it's Every week you got to come out with the same type of intensity, and that's tough. Um, that's why
0: – you know, and I'll go back to it to just reinforce what you're saying. I agree with you. That's why the Miami Dolphins from 72 is, is special. They went undefeated. That's like when – defeated in a regular season all the way up to the Super Bowl and lost to the, new, uh, to the, to the Giants. is very special in the NFL. When a team only loses two games or one game in a season like the Bears – Or the Giants, and when they the Broncos did it, yeah, you know, and that's my point. You can; those are special because it's so difficult to win in the NFL. And and in the end, they all have to win, so they will win. You know, and teams will rise and teams will fall. That's just the nature of the game. I don't expect anything less. Teams don't stay at the bottom or the top as long as we've seen some teams. But that is a, a really tip of the hat to the organization what they have, what they choose to do and how they choose to run it, and when they see opportunities, they take advantage of it. Yeah, and the Patriots the are definitely must do that.
1: the exception. And what they have done is absolutely incredible. I think six straight years to the AFC Championship game. That's a yeah. bad season for Patriots fans when you only make the AFC Championship game. Sure, I mean they I, have. You know, and I know being a Broncos, they fan – legitimate. Opportunity to put
0: themselves in that position, and that's what they've done in the last ten years and longer. So you know that's just the way it works. Now, talking about your Broncos, real quickly,
1: mm-hmm. how about uh, Garrett Bowles? Now, when you watch, did you, you you didn't see the draft? I did not. I saw bits and pieces of it live when I was on my, my break. I did catch our first round draft pick. Uh, I love I, that he I
0: brought his. his uh,
1: What is his daughter? I believe. Yeah, he brought his uh, son or daughter. Son or daughter? I'm not sure his age. All I keep thinking is, don't
0: spike the baby. (laughs) You
1: know what? Though I will say, (laughs) is it meaningful? You know, to you and I, it's just something we joke around about. But for a kid like Garrett Bulls, who's had a very troubled past, I read a quote today earlier when I got home from the Indians game. Uh, where Bulls said that he got home one day and his dad said, you have four hours. I'll be back in four hours. You have a chance to move all your stuff out. If I'm back and your stuff's not all the way out, You're arrested for trespassing. And Bulls at first thought his dad was joking, but he wasn't. For a kid who's come from a very, very deep and dark place, uh, I think that was a crowning moment for him. Where he gets to be called his name in the first round of the NFL draft by, uh, as I try to remove all bias out of this, but one of the premier franchises in the NFL right now, owned by Mr. Bolin, seven non-losing seasons in 30 years, and three uh, three-time Super Bowl offensive, champion.
0: Offensive lineman taken in the draft, so that's you know that speaks volumes. I yeah, know they said that it was, was a weak really draft good. for offensive linemen, but to be the first selected and to be the one in the first round maybe the 20th pick overall that that's that's something to be celebrated.
1: Yeah, that was a big moment for him where he got to share it with his kid. He got to say, you know what? I haven't arrived completely yet, but I'm on the right path. I have a good foundation now with my wife and my kid. I get to share it with them. I have good people around yeah. me and I'm going to a good organization.
0: Well, that's a, that's the key. You know, he's going to have an opportunity. He's a little bit more mature than most players. He's 25 years old. Uh, He started his family. He settled down, so he only has Mm -hmm. one goal in mind, and that will be to perform his job in football the best of his abilities. And I think that will be one of the advantages that he brings to the table that others – then the Broncos took Demarcus Walker from Florida State, Mm -hmm. Uh, the defensive end, 51 overall in the second round. And Carlos Henderson, uh, number 82 overall in the third round, a wide receiver from Louisiana Tech. So uh, trying to work the def- offense and defense there in the first three
1: picks. Yeah, what, uh, what we struggled on last year was we didn't have the explosive playmakers. And the NFL, like I talked about earlier, you have to be explosive. Uh, we have that with Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Sometimes Thomas picks and chooses. Uh, as Vance Joseph says, when he wants to play, he should dominate every play because he's that good a receiver. Uh, we needed to get quicker. Uh, obviously, you like I said before, you can never have enough off- offensive offensive lineman or defensive lineman. Uh, part of me wanted the sentimental Derek Rivers pick to Denver, but I absolutely, I absolutely love Demarcus Walker. When I found out uh, that we drafted Demarcus Walker, I was ecstatic. The kids, uh, like Bulls, so uh, a big physical kid, the passer, but he can play inside too. And that's where we struggled last year. We struggled inside, stop in the run. We didn't have a good interior pass rush, losing Vance uh, Walker in the preseason. We lost Malik Jackson in free agency and just a lot of guys to route. Uh, he can learn from Pecco. He can learn from Derek Wolf. He can learn from Von Miller and Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett. So – um, th- that's a very good pickup. Henderson, I don't know a ton about, I'll be honest, uh, but he's quick. Uh, yeah. Who I do like, though, is Brendan Langley. Uh, he's a big physical kid. Uh, I know on the website I'm reading, they gave that draft grade a C, but when you're going to the best defensive backfield in the NFL, maybe the second best, okay, a top five, right away. He, he can go in and learn from guys like to Talib and Chris Harris, uh, Bradley Roby. So he doesn't have to be a star immediately. Uh, the pick that I think might will turn out to be our best pick, Jake Butt. If yeah, Jake uh, Butt is healthy, he can be an absolute dynamic tight end. He's big. He's athletic. He can block, and he can run routes. He's very good running routes. He just seems to have a knack for making the big catch. In the Michigan games I watched, when Michigan needed to play late on offense, Jake Butt was a go-to guy. Now, yes, it's very tough to come back from the ACL. uh, So hopefully he can rehab what I like. He doesn't have to come in right away and be that guy. We have Virgil Green, Jeff Hireman, uh, and Krieger Cable. But it wouldn't surprise me in a year or two if Jake Butt is one of the better tight ends in the AFC. Oh, there's no uh,
0: question. I agree. I think I, that was probably the besides getting drafting players of need for offensive line and defensive line. Uh, getting Jay Butt maybe the star of this draft for the uh, Broncos, simply because of his uh, ability. You know, he was a first round draft pick potential before the injury. And yeah,
1: and you get him you in know, the fifth rounds of
0: steel, and if he if he can bounce back. He can be that tight end that the Bron- Broncos have used th- traditionally throughout the years very well, and be a big part of the uh, the future. Hey, how about uh, Chad Kelly though, the quarterback from Ole Miss going in the, in the uh, two fifty three? So I was just about to on in that. the Stables. Yeah,
1: that's a uh, a little surprising, um, but I know John Elway is good friend with uh, his uncle Jim Kelly, so that probably had a little bit to do with it. But again when evaluating quarterbacks knows what he's doing. You know, he got Tebow. He made, you know, he developed Tebow. Uh, from afar, uh, off he brought in Peyton Manning. Uh, Brock Osweiler prayed here. Um here. From what I've talked to people, it wouldn't surprise me in a couple years if you're seeing Chad Kelly to Jake Butt. I mean, Right now, it, is Simeon the answer? I know. I, I like Trevor so Simeon a lot, but it's up. tough. Yeah, it's it's obviously a very big year uh, for Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. I, I think it's a year where Chad Kelly can go and learn, and you know, l- learn the playbook, learn how to become a pro, and then next year for 2018, starting job. Hopefully, that's not the case. Hopefully, for From my perspective, and a fan's perspective, we have a guy going forward that's our guy for the next five or six years. Um, But our third pick in the fifth round, Isaiah McKenzie, 172 overall, who's also known as the human joystick, that kid will be fun to watch on kickoffs and punt returns. That's where Denver struggled last year. They put Emmanuel Sanders back there, and you don't want to do that with your second-best receiver. you don't want to do. You want to have a guy that you can throw out there uh, that can play in the offense when need to be, but also just have a main job returning punts. And I think McKenzie can not help the Broncos out uh, returning punts. And um, you, you know, honestly, Denver needed. It, it was clear what they wanted to do. Uh, there's Three no things question. they wanted to do: upgrade the offensive line they wanted to become tougher and meaner on both sides of the ball and they wanted to become more more explosive. That was the word I heard thrown around a lot when uh, the Broncos beat reporters and people were talking about the Broncos need to become more explosive. The offense last year was dormant. Some, some games, it was very good. Some games, it was teeth, but overall, they need to become more explosive. I think they took the, uh, first step to doing so, we'll see who they add in free agency, the college route. Uh, we added Chris Harris a couple years ago, uh, free agency. Uh, he wasn't drafted from Kansas, and he's turned out to be the second-best cornerback in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, we'll see. Uh, I I do think, from what I've been reading, Garrett Bowles is right now going to be a penciled-in starter on opening day when we host these the Los Angeles Chargers, not San Diego Chargers, on uh, Monday night. But I think overall, uh, you you know, it's like I told people, I don't get wrapped up into the draft because it's so tough. You don't know what guy is going to turn out to be great. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts were going back and forth down to the last minute until they had to fill their card out between Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning. At that time, it was a big decision. Now you look back on it and go, wait. Yeah, I mean, kids don't know who Ryan Leaf even is right now. I have to say who's going to be really good. Um, I'll be honest. There was no
0: decision there. It was always going to be Peyton Manning, but <laughs> I know what you're trying to yeah. say. Uh, but, yeah, you know, hey, look, real quick now for our Steelers fans. I just wanted to give them a little love. <laughs> yeah, uh, You know, they they uh, they waited this long. If they're still listening, I appreciate it. Uh, they took T.J. <laughs> Watts from uh, Wisconsin, right the linebacker. What a nice pick, first round. I mean, typical Steeler pick. Uh, not tough, a
1: surprise here. Tough, hard He's the type of player, player that fits their
0: skin perfectly.
1: He's a Pittsburgh guy. Hey, that's what yeah. uh, Pittsburgh wants. They want a Pittsburgh guy, tough, hard-nosed football player, uh, very good from the Big Ten in Wisconsin and um, from the Steelers. I do like their pickup, Juju Smith-Schuster. That yeah, offense was explosive to begin with, with Antonio Brown and Young Bell, and they get Mark Tavis Bryant back, I believe. And then you add Juju Smith-Schuster. Good God. Hey, they know, they mean, know
0: wide receivers. Let's just put it in yeah, the credit. Yes, they do. Where credit, where credit is they have drafted well over the years at wide receiver. They usually do not miss on that position. Mm-hmm. So you got to give them credit. They took Cameron Sutton, a cornerback from Tennessee, third round, uh, number 94 overall, cornerback, another defensive back that the Steelers, again, are very good at. But James Conner, the running back from Pittsburgh, mm. that's the story. one of the stories of the draft. He goes into third round overall, and uh, what a great story. What a great opportunity to stay home, uh, play for the Steelers, and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, who's – I mean, I'm a Browns fan, and obviously I don't want him to do well against us or anybody else, but in the same vein, uh, how can you not root for a kid like this and what he's gone through and what he's, uh has a chance to uh, to continue his career here now with the uh, Steelers?
1: Yeah, I was at the, uh, the game against Youngstown State where Connor blew out his knee, um, and it didn't look very serious at first. He just limped off the field, and then later on we found out that he blew out his knee. Um, and then add on to that uh, that. He was diagnosed with cancer later that year. And then he's back in less than a year playing football, and not just playing football, but competing at a very high level for a good football team in a tough conference. A lot of people can say, well, that was a a sympathetic pick. And it could have been. Obviously, it could have been. Not that high. But let me tell you what. You do that in the seventh round. You don't do that. Uh, 105,
0: you you don't take a sympathetic pick. You do that at 255. You don't do that at one, 105. God.
1: And I think, that it, and now you have a backfield of Le'Veon Bell who can run around you and he can run through you a little bit, but now you, now when you're tired trying to tackle that and all his jukes, then you bring the bowling ball in and James Conner, oh good God. Yeah. I'm, right now, it, it's hard to argue, but if You told me right now pick the best offense in the NFL. I mean, give me Pittsburgh. Fully healthy?
0: I mean, give me Pittsburgh. I totally agree. Totally healthy. You know they're going to score points. Bottom line, they have the quarterback. They have the wide out. They have the running backs. You know, they have a quality offensive line. So, yeah. But uh, I guess we talked about this in the last episode, and I said it's time for them to address the quarterback position. Mm Mm-hmm. I think maybe not in the first few rounds, but I expect him to take a quarterback somewhere along the way. And in the fourth round, number 135 overall from Tennessee, Joshua Dobbs. A lot of people thought he might be a, headed to Cleveland because of the uh, Senior Bowl activities. And it was coached by Hugh Jackson and that and his uh, staff during that time. But uh, the Steelers ended up picking him. He made his, his name known, kind of like Rivers did in the, uh, in the S- Senior Bowl. And really made a uh, a splash there, and improved his draft spot. Uh, drafted in the, uh, originally, people had him targeted for about the seventh, sixth, or seventh round. Picked uh, number twenty nine in the fourth round, number one thirty five overall. A uh, a nice pickup for the Steelers, and we'll see. I mean, long term, I don't know if he'll be an answer as a uh, replacement for Ben someday. But that's something that they have to. Th- they probably will be drafting quarterbacks each and every year. Uh, in the in the process now until the end of uh, Ben's uh, run as star, because they need to find that replacement. Yeah, and, and it's coming sooner more than later.
1: Yeah, and uh, I watched Joshua Dobbs uh, closely the past two years. I have a good family friend uh, who go to all the Tennessee home games, uh, volunteer fans, and uh, they love Tennessee football. And I was really impressed with Josh Dobbs. Uh, he's a very smart kid. He took extraordinary amount of classes. And I don't know, I think he took like physics and astronomics and all these tough classes At last semester at Tennessee. He's a good kid, a good football player. He can make all the throws. He's a big, strong body. Uh, He can move out of the pocket too. Very similar to Ben, which I think it's very good for him to go learn behind Ben for a couple years. And let's be honest, in a couple years when Ben does hang it up, I wouldn't be surprised if Joshua Dobbs is that kind of guy. I think Steeler fans will love this kid. Um, and it obviously helps when Dobbs has to throw the ball to Antonio Brown and Miss Schuster probably and Bryant and hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell and James Conner behind that offensive line. I think I think Steeler fans will be very impressed with uh, Josh Dobbs. I know I was in the games that I watched the volunteers. Um, and obviously, like you said, he – was one of those guys that saw his stock rise in the Senior Bowl uh, festivities and uh, the work, workouts for teams.
0: Well, you know, hey, that's, you know, the Steelers usually draft well, and yep. uh, most people give them a grade of about a B, B-plus in this draft. They took uh, Brian Allen, Cullen Holble and Keon Adams the rest of the way through, a Couple a defensive back, defensive uh, safety, and then, and then you have a uh, defensive end, so they they – Addressed their defense and they addressed their offense. I thought they overall did well. You got to be happy if you're a Steelers fan. But TJ Watts is a, as a as a stud. They got him, you know, in the first round. A great pick, in my opinion. And uh, like I said, they have maybe the best story in the draft in James Conner. You know, they picked up the quarterback in Dobbs. So overall, I get you got to be uh, satisfied if you're the Steelers as they uh, move forward. I think they're going to hit that transition period in the next year or two where they're going to see some players that are beloved to the Mm -hmm. uh, Steeler nation move on and you're going to have to uh, get new players coming in. And this is the way you do it through the NFL draft. Hi everyone. We had a technical glitch from this point on. So we're going to end the podcast here. I want to thank you all for the download and listening to our podcast. And I'm going to ask you to go to our Facebook page, radio mvp pod and give us some likes and some shares and also go to our website we're very proud of it radiomvp.com and get your downloads there as we continue to try to grow this podcast so for anthony i'm tim have a great day everyone we will talk to you later this week on radio mvp sports podcast